Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Amazing Podcast. We're so happy to have you. And uh, we bring this to you every week uh, where we talk to a different expert uh, from the space of Kubernetes and cloud native. And uh, we get them to actually talk about stuff that they are working on, stuff that they are building. And so these are people right on the cutting edge of what's happening in the space. And uh, that's what we bring you and we hope you're enjoying it. Uh, if you like this, definitely head over to our website, which is amazic.com, A-M-A-Z-I-C.com. And you'll find a lot more of interviews, podcasts like this, and uh, event coverage, and you'll find articles, uh, job listings. Uh, so definitely go and check out all of that stuff. I'm Twain Taylor, editor at Amazic. And I have with me today, Zohar Aini, who is the CEO and co-founder of Port. Zohar, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for having me today. All right, Zohar. So, <laughs> yeah, I was taking a look at Port and it uh, looks quite interesting. You know, um, uh, you know you're, you're building an internal developer platform is what it seems like. And I wanted you to come and tell us all about, uh, you know, this niche within Cloud Native because it's really hot right now, uh, yeah. an internal developer platform. Uh, but uh, before we get to talking about uh, platforms, let's uh, start with talking about you. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and what you've done uh, so far, how you came to uh, starting Port. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, in my background, I, um, I'm a technical engineer. Uh, I started as a software and a researcher uh, for a very large organization here in Israel, the Intelligence Unit. So uh, part of my journey as a developer was uh, facing this uh, huge dependency between the DevOps and the developers, like everything that I needed. Um, from an ops perspective, I had to reach out to a DevOps persona and wait a long time for, uh, for tickets to be addressed. Um, and as part of the revolution that we went through as an organization, uh, um, they started a team that is called uh, the, the platform team that was responsible to make sure that developers can roam freely and get everything that they need with the click of a button and break those silos between the developers and the, and the DevOps personas. So imagine like 2000 engineers and 20 DevOps people that needed to address all these tickets and, uh, and madness that came from the engineering uh, and one of them is me. Um, so they started the platform that um, basically gave everything that the developers need with a click of a button and revolutionized the way that developers were delivering software, um, thus saving a lot of time to the organization. Um, and we were able to move very fast as an R&D, as a big R&D. And this platform was developed by uh, my co-founder and the CTO, Jonathan. He was the, he was the one responsible for implementing this, uh, this uh, portal. Um, and uh, this is how we got to know each other and we worked together uh, during the, our service for the intelligence unit. And we are both passionate about uh, the problem from my end as a user that uh, use, use the Jonathan's platform and Jonathan from the one that is an expert with a solution that solved this problem for a large organization once. This is what got us into starting Port. And uh, when we started working about Port, uh, we saw that uh, this issue is not uh, only unique to ourselves. This is a problem that uh, is occurring for a for many, many organizations around the world. And the reason is that um, in the past few years, um, we were promised with DevOps and we wanted to make uh, self-sufficient engineering. And we did a lot of things during the past few years to become 
let's call it DevOps. So we broke the monolith to microservices and we have infrastructure as code and Git and a lot of types of environments and the co and, and the developers became even more dependent on, on, the, on the DevOps uh, team. And now uh, as time goes by, a lot of people, are, a lot of organization realize the need for a developer portal to unify everything for developers. And this became like a huge category and a big movement that uh, we are uh, fortunate to take uh, to take part of. Um, so this is what got us into starting port. And we are uh, very, very excited about delivering uh, um, the first open developer portal in the, in, in the space. All right, all right. Wow, that's a great overview. Uh, and, uh, you know, next I'd like to talk a bit, bit about this term itself, platform engineering or the internal developer platform. If you can describe for us, what is this internal developer platform? You've kind of given us hints of it in your, uh, you know, in the words you just said uh, about making yeah. things easy for developers. But if you could just uh, give us a bit more on those lines, what is an internal developer platform? And why is it becoming so important now uh, that everyone is paying attention to it in the Kubernetes space? Uh, could you add some thoughts to that? Yeah, sure. So basically, uh, due to the complexity that the uh, cloud native architecture introduced and the DevOps advancements uh, introduce, uh, developers suddenly, they cannot be expert in anything, right? They cannot know Terraform in depth and Kubernetes in depth and cloud in depth. They, they need to kind of focus on writing code, right? They are not uh, DevOps experts. You have DevOps for that, for this. Um, so the so the DevOps uh, were are very focused on creating the, the platform side, right? All the automations and infrastructure as code and cloud and making sure that everything is highly automated and high quality um, assurance and, and so on. And the, the platform is one aspect. And then you have the portal. The portal is a way to allow developers to interact with the platform in an intuitive way, right? So the portal is a layer on top of the platform that is used by the developers and it's adjusted to their level of understanding and their level of cognitive uh, uh, cognitive understanding of the of the moving parts, right? So developers using the portal um, in order to consume what they need in, in an easy way and the portal abstracts away all the complexity of the platform behind the scenes. So platform engineering in general is a movement um, that that aims to fulfill the the initial statement for for self-sufficient engineering. So once we finished with the platform, uh, quotes and quotes, of course, we never finish because technology always evolves. Now it's time to think about the developers. So platform engineering come and says, "Hey, let's pause for a second. We have the developers that needs to actually use things and consume stuff. Let's build something for them so they can operate and be self-sufficient engineers." And not overwhelming them with all the complexity of the underlying uh, pipelines and automation were, that were built by the DevOps people. So platform engineering is a more of a kind of a new approach to uh, to allow developers to be self-sufficient. All right, all right. Uh, so um, just to clarify, so uh, is your startup port building internal like this, the platform or is it focusing on the portal for developers or both? So Port is focused on the portal part, um, which is uh, which is the unified interface for developers to get everything that they need in one place. And we sit on top of the existing platform of the organization. So you you might don't know this, but uh, you already have a platform, right? The platform is, is what we call CICD pipelines and infrastructure as code and uh, Kubernetes and uh, GitOps and 
and so on and so forth. So this is the platform, like the, the DevOps work put into automating and delivering stuff. So we sit on top of the platform, which is the DevOps architecture that is already uh, created and is distributed. It's built out of many tools. It's, um, it's, it's fully automated and highly scalable. And we see that the portal, what Port focuses on, on is sitting on top of this um, complex layer of the platform and unify it for the developers and making it accessible for them. So this is what where, where Port comes into play. Interesting. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's quite unique, I think, because I hear a lot of, uh, you know, people talking about the platform itself. Uh, but what I hear you saying is that you already have a platform. So that's kind of like, you know, it may take some by surprise. Oh, I already have a platform. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and that's quite interesting to hear you say, uh, which means that people are probably closer to uh, platform engineering than what they may think. Would you say that's yes. true? Yes, I think many organizations, you know, uh, today Kubernetes is not a, is it's a it's a commodity, and many people are using it. It's a you know it's 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 off the shelf. It's a best practice. There is no doubt about it. And most of the organizations are already adopted uh, Kubernetes or in the process to adopt Kubernetes. Or you know, Kubernetes is just one example, but it can be either like GitOps and CI/CD and tests and cloud and even multi-cloud microservices like. Organizations already, we we are as an industry DevOps mature. Now this is the reason why it became a hot topic because the entire industry come and say, okay, we are DevOps matured. Now it's time to think about our customers, the developers, the internal customers for the organization. So we need to think about how can we make it accessible for the developers within my organization. So I can definitely uh, say. Uh, uh, that as, a, as an industry, we definitely see a high level of maturity when it comes to DevOps practices. And many organizations already have a platform uh, and, uh, in, mature enough to, to bring a portal uh, to the organization. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's quite a unique take. And I think it's probably even quite encouraging for people who, you know, constantly hear, you know, this is the next level and you need to reach there. Yeah. Uh, it's encouraging for them to know that, you know, you don't need to strive to be there. You're already there. And yeah. So that's relieving. Uh, that's good to know. Uh, but it's also a, a unique and an interesting uh, solution that you're proposing because, uh, in a sense, this is kind of new where you're saying uh, a platform is not enough. You also need a developer portal. Now, that may be new to many who are listening. Uh, what would you say to those people who feel like, you know, do I really need a platform? I mean, do I need really need a, a developer portal? Isn't a platform uh, a portal itself, uh, couldn't I, can't I just create a platform that provisions resources and through that control access to developers and what they can do within the platform? Isn't Doesn't the platform fulfill the portal duties? Why do I need a portal? What would you say to them? Yeah, so I think that part of the, part of the, like a main aspect of the platform engineering is the portal itself. Um, I think that the, that many organizations, when they talk about platform engineering, they are talking about reducing a cognitive load for the developers so they can consume things in an easy way. So the way to do it is by using the, the portal, uh, which is an unopinionated layer on top of the platform that you already have that unifies everything for the developers in a way they can understand. So the the... Let's let's say uh, we can put it uh, this way: the platform engineering is the what, and the portal is the how. Like the portal is the 
implementation method to give developers um, an intuitive interface, um, which everything behind the scenes, underneath it, the infrastructure is called Terraform, Kubernetes, everything is part of the platform uh, that you already have. So Portal is a way to bring platform engineering into, into practice, to actually break those silos. Um, so, uh, so there are a couple of key aspects that you need to maintain when you choose a, a portal, which is, you know, being able to adapt to your platform. Your platform is probably very unique. You need, you need a, a solution that can adjust itself to your uh, way of delivering software, uh, your software development lifecycle. Um, and it needs to be kind of curated into your level of uh, R&D and engineering. So you need to be able to customize the solution enough to address your, your, uh, your need as an organization and so on and so forth. So uh, developer portal is, is an implementation to allow platform engineering that talks about self-sufficient uh, uh, development. All right, all right, makes sense. So I wanted to ask about uh, the pain points that uh, people face without a portal. So let's say they have some sort of platform, CICD, as you mentioned, yeah. uh, you know, get to production, uh, there is some sort of pipeline, which is a platform. Uh, but what are some of the challenges they face if they have just that and they don't have a portal? What kind of challenges do they face that probably which you mentioned they could resonate with and say, yeah, I mean, I I, I relate to this. Yeah, so generally what the organization face today uh, before they adopt a portal is a lot of uh, ticket ops. Uh, so they get a lot of tickets from the developers that needs to provision infrastructure or they need to make certain actions. Or they just have questions about what is the current running version of this microservice in production environment in the Canary deployment? You know, it sounds like a scary question, but this is a very trivial everyday question that you might ask. So they get a lot of tickets and they try to maintain knowledge in uh, static spreadsheets. And they try to kind of, uh, you know, uh, they try to maintain a stale documentation uh, that often break, like static documentation. And they have this expert with, uh, you know, with the tribal knowledge that uh, knows everything and they... Uh, kind of dependent on, on his or her uh, knowledge, right? So the portal is a way to democratize um, all the knowledge and everything developers need to know in order to operate and to deliver software and to understand the lifecycle of the application development in their organization. So uh, so this way they don't have to do ticket ops, and manual spreadsheets, stale documentation, tribal knowledge, all of these are becoming uh, deprecated once you have a portal that is suitable to your business needs. All right, all right. So you've kind of already gotten into this, but yeah, I was wondering if you can give us the elevator pitch for Port and its approach to uh, this developer portal that you, you talk about, uh, you know, what approach does Port take? What are some of the key aspects of Port's uh, solution? Yeah, so as an organization, uh, we realized that in order to create a, a portal for the organization, that uh, it needs to be unopinionated. It means that uh, Port gives you the tool set to create your developer portal that suits your needs, uh, and that's making you the product manager of what your developers actually need. So you decide what is the structure of the data model in the software catalog, how will the self-service actions would look like, what are the defined scorecards inside your, your portal and so on and so forth. Um, so we bring you the tool set that are powered by uh, something that is uh, unique for port, which called the blueprint, uh, which is the main first class citizen feature in port that gives you the power to, to, to customize the solution to your business needs. 
Um, so Port uh, is a, maintains uh, the blueprints in order to let you define how you want the experience to look like for your organization. Um, and essentially, you will, the developers will get a clear understanding of the development lifecycle. They will be able to execute actions. They will be able to uh, automate uh, all kinds of workflows. They will be able to, you will be able to make sure that they comply with the organizational standards with, with the scorecards by uh, ensuring quality assurance and production readiness checklist and security standards and so on and so forth. So you get like an end-to-end developer uh, experience uh, for your organization that suits exactly your needs. So this is what Port, uh, Port uh, exactly is doing. All right. Uh, could you show us a walkthrough of uh, the product and show us what this blueprint actually is and even some of your other key features? Yeah, for sure. Um, so let me share my screen real quick. Yeah. So basically what you see here, this is the um, our live demo. You can go into demo get port.io. This is an open uh, live demo. You don't need to authenticate. It's open. You can play with the product. Um, so what you see here, this is an example of, uh, of uh, blueprints that are defined inside the system. So, uh, so platform engineers can create the data model that is suitable for their software catalog and the actions and so on and so forth. Um, so each box that you see here is called a blueprint. You have a, a blueprint that a blueprint is a generic object. It can be anything that you want. Um, so I just created a couple of blueprints and gave them the names that are relevant for my development lifecycle. So I have a, one called service and one called package version and package and vulnerabilities and cloud resources and Kubernetes and so on and so forth, right? Uh, feature flags, deployments, and so on. For, for every blueprint that I create, I have a, a page that is created accordingly for the developer. So this is the developer point of view. They will get a list of all the microservices, with, what's the name, what with the code owner, the GitHub URL, the certification channel who is on call right now, all the relevant information that you want to reflect your developers and give them a, a clear understanding of the lifecycle of development. Same goes for the clusters and the, all the running services across the different environments and the deployments and, and so on. So uh, basically for every blueprint, you can define the data model for the blueprint. So you can choose what are the different properties that developers will see about, this, about, uh, about the blueprint. In this case, it's the GitHub URL, the, the Jira ticket, the stack notification channel, the readme, and so on. And once you define the schema, you are able to ingest data to, to the blueprint. So data can, can be originated from different sources. It can come from an API, from CI/CD, from Git providers, from Kubernetes, cloud providers, infrastructure as code, and Port is an open platform. It means that you can you can extend Port and write your own integrations using our open source project called Ocean, which gives you a way to implement your own custom integrations as well. So you are not limited to the set of integrations that Port provides you. Once you do that and you ingest data uh, into the into the catalog, you will see all the data flows inside, and you will see all the entities. So you can click on one of them. And you can learn more about them. So you can see, for example, the shipping service. I can see all the metadata about the shipping service. I can see the README, the Swagger API, the Async API. I can uh, see embedded views from uh, architecture slides. Uh, for example, if I want to bring documentation inside or relevant information about the service, the idea is to put everything for the developers in one place. Um, you can also reflect where this service is currently running across different environments. So I can see shipping is running in sandbox, staging, test, uh, security in environments and the rele relevant uh, version that is currently running, the li deep links to all the observability tools, the deployments that took place for this service, uh, dependencies to other microservices, and you can navigate on, on, on the graph uh, and focus on the relevant entity that you find the relevant. So 
You can see here the shipping running in the test environment, and you can see here also a graph view. So the shipping service running in the test environment is deployed on this cluster called test, and this cluster is deployed on this uh, cloud region on GCP, right? Um, so the way that you are able to define it is by the, the data model uh, that, that supports the um, that supports the graph is using the relationships. So while you create your data model, you can define the relationships between different blueprints uh, to make sure that your data model of catalog support dependencies between different software components. Um, so this is the first aspect of port, the catalog. Then you have the self-service actions that you can create for every blueprint, the relevant action. So, uh, and you can, you choose what is the title, what is the icon, the description, the set of user inputs. Uh, you decide if it's required or not. You can put tooltips for the developers and um, and, and you can uh, let developers uh, execute uh, uh, actions on their own, uh, filling the input that you ask them to, to fill out. Um, and once you click execute, uh, developers will see a new job that is running for scaffolding a microservice in this case, but you can, again, create any action that you want. You can stream live logs to the developers. You can show them where things stand. You can update the status uh, if it's in progress, failed, or successfully finished. Um, and you can connect it to your platform, right? So if you remember, port is the portal, and then port integrates with your platform. So in this case, we trigger a GitHub workflow that you own and you maintain, and you are the, the owner of it. And we treat it as a black box by executing the relevant action that you provided port and you told port that uh, is relevant to automate the action. So the way that you create actions is by uh, modifying the actions tab. Uh, and in here you can see how I was able to create this action. So I gave it a name. I chose like the, the icon, what is the user form. You can create the very, a very customizable user form. And then you connect it to a backend, which can be anything but uh, either a webhook. We can trigger a GitHub workflow. We can uh, operate in an event subscription model using a Kafka topic and so on and so forth. Um, again, you can, uh, of course, you can also decide what is the level of permission, who can make the action, if it requires a manual approval or not. And you can take it to the extreme when it comes to uh, creating the relevant data model, uh, the relevant actions, and the relevant scorecards for your uh, different software components to make sure they are also complying with your standards when it comes to production readiness, with the code maturity, ownership, and so on and so forth. Um, so in a way, Port uh, makes you the product manager and you know best what is right for your organization, how you want the developer experience to look like for your engineers. Uh, we provide you the tool set to do that, with templates and best practices, so uh, so uh, we can redefine the, the everyday life of developers around the world. Oh, that was a whirlwind tour with a lot of just packed into those few minutes. Uh, but really, <laughs> uh, how does this mapping take place? How how does all the uh, the definition uh, get uh, into port? Uh, is it manually described by a person at the start? Or is, is there an agent that automatically scans your system and, you know, uh, you can, it kind of defines what's in port for you? How does that work? Yeah, so once you define the data model for uh, for port, um, so you you choose like what are the set of blueprints that your development lifecycle uh, consists of. So you want microservices and deployments. This is a one-time thing. Usually it takes a couple of minutes to define the basic data model that you want to achieve. And then for every blueprint, you choose the data source. And the data source, the, our integrations are both open source and they bring data in live. So 
Uh, you don't need to kind of manually update anything. It, every, every integration, for example, the GitHub integration, the Kubernetes, the cloud provider, and so on, brings data in live by uh, using ports auto-discovery mechanism to map the data into the Blueprint structure. So it's a, a, it usually takes a, like a day or two to define the data model and to connect it to the underlying uh, platform to unify all the data. And then we see many organizations continue to add more things to the Blueprints, bringing both vulnerabilities and alerts and making all kinds of actions like provisioning the developer environments and so on and so forth. All right, all right, oh, interesting. So there is a, a way that port discovers what's new and updates automatically based on what's new. That's good to know. Yes, yes. We 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 make sure to maintain the uh, source of truth. Uh, so we we treat your the integrations as as the source of truth, and we just make sure to present them uh, uh, in live and uh, uh, during du during the uh, every change. So what you see in port re represent the source of truth for the integration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks like a lot of information in portal, and a lot of this is metadata about really complex metadata and from different uh, views that you can view it. Uh, but one concern that comes to my mind is that, you know, uh, there's so much already defined in different places in an organization, uh, you know, and so, uh, and a lot of this comes down to even the company's culture, you know, how they can standardize on one tool that they use as a source of truth. And what are some of the challenges when it comes to standardizing on that, you know, uh, because with so much metadata available in port, uh, you know, what do you see in terms of companies using port as the source of truth to see what is uh, the state of the system or a particular part of the system? Uh, how easy is it to actually do that? You see that, you know, your customers naturally start to use port as the single source of truth to see state. Or do you see some of them, it's, it's, a, it's a learning curve. Some of them take some time to actually move from their old systems to start using port as the source of truth. What do you see in that aspect? So port does, doesn't aim to become the like the source of truth. It, be, it aims to reflect the source of truth that comes from the different uh, um, uh, data sources. So basically, right. uh, so basically, we just unify everything into one place and give you like a mirror view of the data that is spread across the different uh, places. Um, so from what we see, uh, um, the the world is going through unification uh, in the DevOps because you have a lot of chaos and madness of many tools and and and, and so on, and you need a way to reflect everything into into one place and give a one click uh, experience to understand and to consume everything that the developer needs. Um, so from what we see for, for very large organizations, sometimes they have like very separated departments. So they have, they might have several um, uh, tenants of port, but in most cases you have one platform uh, that uh, reflects uh, through one portal that everything is uh, consumable from there. All right. All right. And I saw this interesting feature, the scorecard. Could you tell us more about that? How is scorecard actually used uh, to make decisions uh, day to day? Yeah, so scorecards are a way to basically enforce your standards as a as a as a platform engineer. So you want to make sure the developers uh, meet your quality um, quality minimum requirements of uh, development and the production readiness checklist to be evaluated before a microservice go to pro goes to production. And if you get like a degraded health in a, of a service in production, you can you want to be notified about it and act upon it. So 
the scorecards are, are a way to define what are your standards and where you want uh, the line to, uh, to be uh, drawn. And then if something is degraded or uh, misbehaving, you want to be able to act upon it. So with port, you can connect the degradation of a, of a scorecard uh, to uh, sending a Slack message or running a runbook or even do nothing if you want, right? Like you need to tell port how you want to create the right process around the degradation of a, sco a scorecard. And every scorecard has its own kind of, uh, you know, uh, um, like um, um, reaction, right? And the, and, the, and the process that you'd like to build around it. If you have like a Dora metrics uh, scorecard and there is one non-performing team or group, you, you might want to notify the manager or the group itself, right? So it really depends on how you want to act upon a degradation of scorecards. It can be either automating a runbook, a script, sending a message, uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and on that note of automating, I wanted to ask what are the possibilities when it comes to automation of routine developer tasks? Or another way to think about it is with port, uh, what are some of the key ways that developers would save time on a day-to-day -day basis? So the what takes like a developers a lot of time uh, today is it's a couple of things the first one is is questions that they have like understanding the full life cycle of development is something that they need to understand so providing them like a, a clear visibility into the life cycle of application development will save them a lot of time try to figure out you know versioning and services and deployments and things like that um so they need to get like a bird's eye view of, and a clear understanding of, of where things stand so being able to answer uh, questions um, uh, when it comes to DevOps is, is crucial. Then uh, developers also waste a lot of time on, uh, um, let's say, provisioning infrastructure and create and uh, performing actions. So most cases they will create a ticket for the DevOps or the or or other team, uh, and wait for long time periods to be addressed. So um, the portal is also a way to kind of let developers focus on what, ma what matters and get everything they need in an automated fashion. Um, and also, uh, and we, you will see it a lot when it comes to onboarding new developers. Uh, they are the ones that uh, really struggle to understand and they try to gather data from different uh, places to understand how to, uh, how to um, uh, develop software in, the, in this new organization they, uh, they just joined. Um, so I would say like answering like questions they might have, actions they want to perform, um, and uh, and things like that are uh, are the most uh, time hogging uh, um, phenomena that uh, that we see. Okay, okay. Right. Uh, when it comes to you know uh, other similar or related tools out there, uh, some of the tools that come to my mind are Crossplane and Backstage, which are platform building tools. Uh, do you see your customers often integrating Port with them? Uh, do you have any ready-made integrations or is that a common thing that you see and, and how does it work? How do they complement each other? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so so uh, basically uh, Crossplane is more on the platform side. Their infrastructure, they are more in the infrastructure code space. So they are more of an integration to us. Uh, Backstage is more of a portal. Uh, they are also some kind of a way to unify everything. Uh, it's an open source project came from uh, Spotify. Um, there are uh, a lot of uh, kind of uh, uh, differences between port and, uh, and backstage. We maintain and we make sure that you are able to get up and running very fast with the portal and you don't need to struggle UI libraries and you don't need to struggle with 
understanding uh, backstage. Um, so we are more oriented to companies that want to move fast, to, uh, to buy a commercial product, to, uh, to, and, and yet not compromising on flexibility and, and adjustability to their business needs. Um, but Backstage is an, is an amazing project and uh, uh, is suitable for, uh, for, uh, for companies who prefer to build on their own rather than to, uh, to buy an off-the-shelf solution. All right, all right. Neat. And what are some of the early results that your customers see when they start using Port? Uh, what are some of the comments that you heard them say about Port and uh, what difference do they see in the first few days or weeks? So suddenly they, they see that uh, like they see an immediate uh, adoption from the developers. Like developers were kind of uh, waiting for the moment to get uh, a portal that gives them everything on a on a silver uh, plate, right? Uh, so uh, so this is the first thing that we see, like developers being able to roam freely, the number of tickets decreases, um, they are able to release features faster to, to production, they are able to move fast as an organization. Um, and also the, the onboarding of new developers becomes much shorter due to the fact that they get everything they need and the onboarding becomes much, much faster. So the time to the first commit gets really, really uh, short due to the fact that uh, it's very easy to bring code to production and to deliver software in an organization that adopts a, a port or a portal in general. <laughs> really neat. And, you know, along with moving fast, of course, the other side of things is making sure that security is in place, access. Uh, what are some of the things you've built into port to make sure that that's not compromised while developers move fast? Yeah, so we built a robust uh, access management uh, feature to port. So you are able to uh, first to integrate with your identity provider to define and we read all the teams uh, and the users that uh, are coming from the ID from the identity provider. Uh, you are able to create your own custom teams inside port and you are and then you are able to define exactly in a very granular manner who has access to which data point, which page, which actions like the um, since we operate in large enterprise companies, we maintain a very granular permission model. Um, so you can take it to the extreme when it comes to defining the permissions to port, just because we realize how important it is to uh, to put the right guardrails in place um, when it comes to access and uh, when it comes to performing actions and to put manual approvals and policies and things like that. So port uh, maintains uh, the, the access control for every blueprint. It's a, it's a feature that it sits on the Blueprint itself to define the level of actions to the Blueprint ecosystem when it comes to the catalog, the actions, the scorecards, the, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, as we wind down, I wanted to just uh, get your thoughts on where you see the space going and how you see this evolving uh, platform engineering and even uh, developer portal. Uh, what are some of the key trends that you are keeping an eye on? What's on your mind as you look, as you as you see what's happening out there? What are you taking notice of when you think of uh, what's coming next for this space? So I think uh, there are a couple of things that will uh, that will happen, uh, and we also we already see the first uh, sparks uh, to it. Uh, so first we we see that the uh, developer portal is not uh, just for developers; it's for everyone in the organization that relies on software. Uh, it's developers, of course, but you also have uh, developers, SRE, product managers, sales, customer success, security teams. Everyone essentially re relies on software. Uh, and instead of creating the ticket or uh, being dependent on, on the team that owns the infrastructure and the automation and the platform, you want to be a self-sufficient 
uh, persona, right? Uh, and it can be, it's not only developers. So we see it going into becoming the portal of the organization, not just the developers. Um, but uh, I think this is a more a long-term vision. Um, we are currently very focused on the, on uh, on R and D and uh, and developers, but we also see a request for additional types of personas. Um, and the second part is that the developer portal will include data that is uh, also from different uh, verticals. So we see also integrations to security tools and to FinOps tools and to understand cost and Dora metrics and things that are more than just the traditional development lifecycle. It's more broad because as part of, the, of becoming a self-sufficient R&D, you also want to let developers a level of understanding of the entire lifecycle also when it comes to security and cost and FinOps and things like that. So it's going to get larger than just like the development lifecycle, the tradition, the classic vanilla, and to give them context that comes from all the tools that they potentially uh, interact with or need a level of understanding to, to, uh, to make uh, their own decisions. Wow, really cool. Yeah, sounds very uh, powerful what's possible. Uh, you know, last question I have for you on this topic is, uh, you know, what's one of the recent product updates you made to port or something that's even upcoming in the coming weeks? Uh, that you're most excited about that you could tell us about to kind of get a feel for what's new and happening with your product right now. Um, so now we are working on um, on a, an, an automation feature uh, that will uh, allow you to basically uh, create all kind of automations uh, from port and we are going to take it to, to, uh, to a whole new level. Um, so this is something that we saw that not only developers interact with, with the portal, but also machines uh, interact with it uh, due to the fact that uh, machines also need a, a single source of truth to understand the, the lifecycle, because if you want to make a deployment as a pipeline, you want to understand uh, which microservice into what environment, what is the namespace of the Kubernetes and so on and so forth. So we see also machines starting to interact with port. Uh, using the API, and due to the fact that we built an API-first solution, you are able to make a lot of automations and smart decisions based on the portal. So the portal will also become a, an infrastructure element uh, of the of the R&D uh, team. Wow, interesting. Uh, That's a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed uh, getting your perspective on developer portals and platforms and how they work together. There was uh, quite a few really insightful comments you made uh, through the course of our conversation. So thank you so much uh, for sharing all of that with us today, Zohar. Uh, but before you go, I have a couple of uh, questions to get to know you a bit, uh, the other side of you. Uh, mm -hmm. So I want to- There ask... is no other side, it's just the, this, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Uh, <laughs> but your alternate career path, if not for your job in tech? Uh, I think I will be a, a, a cook. Um, I really like uh, like uh, going through steps and see the end result. So uh, cook and uh, bake uh, baking is uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite hobbies. Okay, what did you make recently that uh, you're proud of? Maybe uh, I make I make a, a cheesecake. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First time you're trying that. Uh, the second. But uh, I want to get to a level of uh, uh, perfection. Uh, then I will move to the next, uh, to the next uh, challenge. Nice, nice. Wow, sounds tasty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Complete the sentence for us. The best thing to happen to tech in recent years is? 
in tech, uh, in recent years, the best thing that happens is the YAML files. Okay. Okay. You want to explain a bit more? It's just uh, my, you had XMLs and then uh, JSON files. And now, you know, uh, as a developer, I always struggle to understand like the format and then the YAML came and changed my, my view on, uh, on, uh, on, the, on the text format. So uh, uh, YAML files are definitely my favorites. Okay. okay. Now the flip side, the next one for you is complete this sentence. The worst thing to happen in tech in recent years is? Is JSON files. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a, a little further back. <laughs> from, yeah. It, uh, yeah, next one. Uh, one software tool or product that you think is very elegantly built? Uh, a retool. Okay, retool. Well, I haven't checked that out. I should. Uh, what does it do, by the way? Uh, it's allowing you to build their business applications uh, to your organization. Uh, so it's also like a builder uh, product, which I appreciate. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. Um, yeah, uh, last question for you. Uh, something that you didn't know about being a founder, co-founder, until you became one. Um, mm, I didn't know like uh, how... Uh, uh, how passionate you can you can be on on something that you truly believe in like uh, this is something that i uh, i i knew that uh, it is it is required but i didn't realize how extreme it can get and how like uh, passionate you can get on uh, building something that uh, truly changed uh, 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 the way developers uh, uh, deliver software so for me it was is uh, it was a new finding wow that's great good to know you're really uh, enjoying what you do and uh, it sounds really cool what you're building I want to wish you and the team all the very best uh, for all that you do. And do come on back again whenever you release something big in the future. Of course. <laughs> and uh, thank you to all of our viewers and listeners. We hope you enjoyed listening today from Zohar about port and developer portals and platforms. And we hope you learned something. So if you like what you just heard, go to their website and check it out. It's getport.io, G-E-T-P-O-R-T.io. Uh, and like Zohar was pointing to go to their demo page and play around with the product. That's the best way to, I think, get a feel for it. Uh, and definitely tune in again next week because we'll talk, be talking to someone else uh, on, in the same space uh, about, about what they're building. Uh, till then, uh, have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you.